everybody. This is Stephanie Hooper. Thank you for tuning in to the Meaning of Everything podcast, where we attempt to gain the deepest understanding possible of who we are, why we are the way we are, and what we're up to here on planet Earth. Today is episode number 16X, and in it, I am going to give a brief little overview of identity, by which I mean how important is it to us to be who we are, We have often been called Generation Me. So I'm going to discuss the history that gives rise to these kinds of concepts and why it's so human to be obsessed with getting likes, uh, with getting the little hearts on Instagram, do we call those likes? Um, All that sort of stuff. Why is it so human to be obsessed with painting a picture of who we are? That's, That's a real thing. And it's very important because The conversation that we had last week, a few days ago, uh, with Professor Christopher Driscoll in episode number 16, we talked a lot about how the way that we construct our own identities affects the way that we treat other people. You know, the more obsessed we are with tweaking ourselves, with painting these pictures, with presenting ourselves, with taking the perfect selfie, with getting the dopamine hits from getting as many likes as possible on Facebook or Instagram or what have you, the more we do this and the ways in which we do this affects the kind of attention that we give to other people and how much we care about them, how much we um, value them, how much we position ourselves relative to them. It's, it's all incredibly relevant. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I'll talk a bit about um, history. You know, we tend to think of ourselves as generation me, 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 you know, the Apple generation, iPod, iPad, I, all this stuff. We tend to think of ourselves as very selfish in that way, but I, it's actually, it's, it's kind of everywhere, or at least it has been in the history of Western thought. So I'll elevate some pieces of that and uh, talk about today. And humanity. A few things before jumping into uh, a little bit more of that content. Uh, So I have a winner for us for the podcast drawing. Y'all know that I pick somebody once a week to uh, receive a free book, a copy of a book that I have in my library. And the reason I do that is because they were somebody who left a review for this podcast. And I was super grateful because reviews are super important. And if you would leave one for me, I would really appreciate it. Um, so I like to thank people by entering them into a giveaway. Unfortunately, I don't have the funds to buy things for everybody. And maybe that would be illegal in some sense. I don't think it is. But um I enter people in a giveaway, give away a book if you write a review. Uh, The winner this week, her name is Patricia Varner. Very excited. I've already sent her an email. She gets to choose from any number of several books that I have listed on my website at stephanierupert.com slash book giveaway. So, and I say this uh, in many episodes, so you don't need to hear it a million times. Um, You can go to stephanierupert.com slash book giveaway slash or slash podcast to read more about that, how to enter and all the um, fun stuff that I try to do to connect with the community of people who are listening to and supporting this podcast. I'm really, really grateful. I think it's not unworthwhile. So thank you all so much for doing that. Um, A quick note for people who uh, listen on a variety of media. uh, There are always videos on YouTube if you want to check it out and watch uh, my face. I'm not sure why you (laughs) would want to subject yourself to that, but you can go watch my face. Uh, And I, of course, am on as many 
podcast platforms as possible and you can live stream, not live, you can stream the podcasts from my website at stephanierupert.com slash podcast um, if, if you need to do it that way. If there are platforms that I'm not on, let me know. Things I can do that you would prefer, let me know. If you think I'm boring, you have, please let me know. Um, I want, I want to not be boring. So um, that's all stuff. Thank you so much for that. I'll jump into the things that I want to talk about today. Um, it's something that's always been very interesting to me. When I was growing up, my brother was one of the first people I think I ever heard to use the word snowflake, which he meant, and this was again, decades ago. So it was before all the conversation about snowflakes uh, came up in, in the common discourse and became a pejorative word that, you know, meant that you were um, too delicate or too special or, or whatever um, <clears throat> to be criticized and you're easily offended. My brother talked about snowflakes when we were kids and always said, you know, you want to be this unique, unique snowflake people, Stephanie, um, but you're not because there's everybody's a snowflake right? We're, we're not everybody there. You're not this cute little unique snowflake. We're all just humans and we're all very, very similar. And I thought that that was really interesting. And that was before we saw this huge boom in social media and people had always wondered, right? There was massive speculation about what would happen, what sort of websites and tools would develop, would take shape when the internet took off. And as it ended up being, and, and in retrospect, it makes perfect sense, but what ended up happening was we saw this massive boom in social media platforms. You know, people are relentlessly social. If there's one thing that we could be said to be, it's that we are social beings. We might hate one another, but we need one another. We're constantly interactive. We have to be. This is why solitary confinement is the worst, literally the worst thing you can do to somebody. There are different kinds of torture, but this is, this is one of the worst ones. So we're social beings and, and the internet became a place for us to continue to be social and to interact in, in a wide variety of ways. And of course, the one thing that became so predominant in all of that is uh, getting people to respond to your own life. You know, we talk about it, we romanticize it, we're, we're sharing, which is true, we are sharing. And often I work really hard to make sure that the things I share are uh, contribute something positive to the world or to people's lives in some way or another and are not just narcissistic. But there's been a lot, a lot of interest in the idea of social media platforms providing us an outlet for our narcissism. And I put it that way because... <sighs> Because, I, because the narcissism is, is there, at least in the West, the narcissism is there and it just provides an outlet and it gives us a way to magnify it. But we're obsessed with our specific identity. And again, I re to reiterate in the West, for contrast, I, I recommend going to podcast number 10X, where I talk about some differences between the East and the West, these hyper individualistic and more collectivistic cultures. Now, in the West, we live in a hyper-individualistic culture. And why? You know, the question is why? How did we end up this way? And a, a big piece of it is the way that our religions developed. And this is something that's very related to what we were talking about in the podcast earlier this week with Christopher Driscoll, a brilliant professor. He talks about how gods function for us as a way to make us feel immune to the trials of what it means to be human. That makes perfect sense to me. 
we also had this idea, and this is very, very strong in much of the Christian tradition. It's called Imago Dei. And what that means is in God's image, basically, in the image of God. Humans were made in the image of God. A very prominent thread in Christian discourse throughout history and still today. Made in God's image. Does that not seem at least a little bit hubristic? You know, when you step back and look at it, like how special must we have thought we were? And then this philosopher in the 19th century, in the 1800s, named Ludwig Feuerbach, pointed out to us, and it had been thought, it had been thought increasingly up until this point, people were starting to play with this idea, but Feuerbach really put it in very explicit terms and addressed it explicitly. The idea that perhaps we were not made in God's image, but we made God in our image. And this is because we don't really know how to think beyond the confines of our experience, right? Like we're, our worlds are large, but nowhere near as vast as obviously the entirety of, of the cosmos and the many different ways that the world can be perceived and conceived. And, and so we, we made God like us. We really, really did. You know, we turned God into a human that has these emotions and uh, acts out of frustration or out of benevolence or out of all these different things that we personally experience. And this is also related to the podcast that I did last week, number 15X, where I talked about the Christian tradition and how parts of it think that it can describe God very accurately, or at least, you know, gesture towards it can use words to describe God and other parts of the Christian tradition that were like, what, you know, seriously, which is very fascinating in this position of being like, what, which I called <laughs> apophatic, which means basically more about living into mystery or negativity, not being able to say anything. And I mean negative in terms of not being able to say anything about God directly. You know, this tradition is in a sense, humble. But we made, we made God in our image, or we assumed that we were made in God's image. And throughout Western history, developed these ideas of religion that became about our personal belief that became about our personal relationship with this God and whose image we were made. I was made. I say prayers. God maybe talks to me depending on the branch of Christianity I'm in all this different stuff. And this gives rise in part, and there are other factors certainly, but this is something that helps give rise to this ethos in the West of being highly individualistic. And of course, we have the massive political and economic forces at play, capitalism and the invisible hand of the market, and uh, it all sort of coalesces into this hyper-individualistic space. And we are therefore obsessed with us as individuals. Now, humans throughout history, and I hate to make such an enormous blanket statement like this, but this highly individualistic position is slightly outside the norm. Humans do in other parts of the world and have often throughout history been much more collectivist in the sense of being just more intertwined in terms of experience, thinking about other people while you think of yourself, 
there's this idea of Ubuntu, right? I am as we are, as you are. And we end up in this moment where we're very individual and all of the sudden we are situated with these massive burdens of existential what you know existential anxiety existential precariousness because when we are more collective we are held together in a space that is easier you know we just we take care of one another we effectively feel the bonds of our, com our companionship but when you're alone the void presses in on you you know and and you need your answers and you need your salvation and you need to save yourself and therefore you we build these identities. Here's my big conclusion. We build these identities and we go on Facebook and we build our identities because we want validation for us as individuals and because the stronger, the more robust a projection we can make of who we are, the more we can defend ourselves against the fact that we are actually nothing as humans and we will die and we are extremely limited and precarious but we can easily fall into these cycles, fall into these traps, uh, fall into these habits of defending ourselves against this precariousness, of trying to build these images that are immortal. You know, and on the internet, we have archives and archives and you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and see your pictures and this narrative of your life and who you are and sure it's all just social we could be like oh it's just social i'm just sharing with my friends check out my cool life story but there's deeper layers to that and i actually think that what we're doing when we're on social media platforms is working to defend ourselves against what we fear or perhaps know to be true deep down inside, which is that we are ultimately limited and frail. And we feel very, very alone. And that's not our fault. You know, we're in this culture. Mother Teresa, who worked, you know, with great poverty around the world and in India, spoke of the poverty of the West as something that was deeply distressing and in some ways, in some ways worse than the poverty that she was seeing because it was so isolated. You know, we are so alone. And so what, you know, what, what can we do? Oh, well, A, we can make friends, build, be really intentional about building communities. You know, I just, I'm totally, totally unimpressed by the way that we create these isolated little nuclear families you live in your one little house and then you have a neighbor and you don't talk to them anymore because you have Facebook and there's no point. We're all busy and we're all just like so cut off from one another and out to defend ourselves. And therefore as races, as cultures, as denominations, as whatever groups we are out to defend our specific little group, because like we talked about in episode 16 of the podcast, this makes us feel safe. You know, the more that we can protect ourselves, define ourselves, glorify ourselves, all that sort of stuff, the more safe we are. But that also means that when we do that for ourselves, we take that away from others. 
or that energy that we could be using for others to connect with others, to share with others, to be there for others, to make sacrifices for others, the energy that we could be using to do those things we are actually using on ourselves because we're terrified of our weakness. We're terrified of loss. We're terrified of being homeless, right? We're terrified of being in debt. We're terrified of dying, like all of these things. And they're very legitimate things to be terrified of. And I'm not blaming anybody. But if we can, as Christopher Driscoll, my last guest, as he says, if we can learn how to die, if we can learn how to be vulnerable, if we can learn to live with the uncertainty of what's next, of what might happen to us, of being open to suffering, of being willing to, you know, stand in front of our comrades, in front of our friends, in front of our fellows, uh, in a place of humility and say, let's share or whatever, let's connect. If we can do these things, then it, you know, there's a challenge in that, but there was also a freedom and there's a beauty to it. You know, there's a real beauty to being able to recognize the deep, painful, scary things that motivate you. And then you, these are the kinds of things that help connect you most strongly to other people is recognizing your shared vulnerability, right? We're all human. We're all in this stuff together, recognizing that you share uh, these deeply felt needs. <clears throat> and then we can collapse in a sense, these barriers that we've erected around ourselves as these isolated little individualistic atoms of will uh, and, and help us be a more fully human and, and better connected. Uh, and that's not to say that you need to stop sharing things on your Facebook and your Instagram or whatever. Um, and please do keep following me. <laughs> um, it's ironic, but, but it is to say that uh, these questions of who we are and, and how limited we are and what it means to be human you know, I keep talking about like this podcast, we need to explore what it needs to be human, but, but we do because it's, it's what makes us who we are and it's what makes, it's what gives us our flaws and what provides potential for us to be able to be better, to feel better and to behave better. You know, like that's just, that's at the, at the root of, root of all of this. So here we are, generation me, we're actually just generation West you know, Western culture, we're actually just generation human trying to take care of ourselves as we've become these isolated units. We use our identities to protect ourselves from our vulnerability, you know, but if we can connect more with other people, then we'll need our egos less. And that's, that's kind of really a beautiful thing, I think. I'm going to leave it at that. I've been talking long enough. Uh, this has been episode 16X. If you have any questions, do please drop them, any comments or whatever. Follow the accounts. Uh, I'm Stephanie Ruper, S-T-F-A-N-I Ruper on Instagram and Facebook. I would be more than happy to chat about any of these things with you at any point in time. Be back next week with episode 17. As always, a very uh, enlightening and exciting guest. So I I uh, can't wait. I thank you so much for supporting me and sharing with me in this journey. Uh, take care and talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.